we are humming along, the season's humming along, everything's humming along good. It's a, it's like you're on a train in Europe and it's just, you're going from one big city to another. Why North America doesn't have the same luxury? I don't know, Craig, I'm not an infrastructure planner. Uh, I do know this, you've been in the planning rooms of GM meetings. Like what goes on? Sometimes when they close the door, I think that, you know, are they playing chess and checkers? Are they solving the league's problems? Uh, do they leave through one door and go at the other and go golfing? I, I Like take us offside challenges. They talked about puck over glass and Kevlar. Doesn't seem like these GM meetings, you know, in Toronto this week were, were that pressing. You've been in the room. What really goes on in those rooms? Let me let me discuss, you know, the lead up to it. Like, you know, first of all, you know, the, the GMs are asked to present ideas, you know, thoughts they have about the GMs meetings. And and then they they curate those ideas and then they try to pare them down to come, come into a meeting with with some topics that are that are prevalent. Obviously, the Evander Kane injury is is horrific, and nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see their players. So, you know, somebody says, "Hey, we should talk about Kevlar wearing it, and you know, the the cut proof socks and, and and materials that are available." So, I mean, that that's no surprise that that comes on. You know, I, I know there's a lot of talk about the offside challenges because that's an ongoing thing, right? And you know, last year, if you recall, Steve, last March when they had the GMs meetings and they talked about Remember they said there was going to be a lot of talk about the salary cap? I was told 120 seconds was how much they talked about long-term injury reserve and the salary cap. 120 seconds. So, like, you know, there's a perception that I, I, I think a lot of times, you know, if, if there's pressing issues, you know, goaltender interference, what constitutes goal? These are things because they impact the game in such a significant way at times. They, you, you want to make sure that you're – always working to, okay, can we modify it? Is there something we can add to it? Is there better clarification we can make? So a lot of times it's like, okay, here's an issue I have. Let's talk about it. Let's go with it. You've heard me say this before. I think the game's in a great spot. I think it's in a great spot. Are you always trying to work at ways to make it better? Yes. And and, and it, it, I, I call it more tinkering, fine-tuning. You talk about trains, right? Well, trains run on time, big like in a big way. So you're just trying to tinker, make the mechanism just a little bit better. Like, and and I think that as time goes on, when you get to the GMs meetings and, and the league is running, you you said it's humming along. It is humming along, right? But let's make sure. Are, are, are we comfortable with 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 the goaltender interference call? Are we comfortable with different areas of the game? What are the big issues in the game? I I don't think there's any big issues in the game. The managers coming together maybe having an opportunity to even just voice, here's how I feel about goaltender interference, and maybe that builds into the next GM's meeting. But, you know, right now where, where the league finds itself, I mean, Steve, when I was a manager, we'd go in there and we, we, we were talking about everything. CBA, rules, what 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 type of rules would you like to change? Like, I mean, it, that was in the early 2000s. I mean, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was significant what we talked about. Yeah, and I remember those days. I remember Dennis and I were on the set at the score dealing with uh, players not going to the All-Star game and should they get suspended. I said, Dennis, on my list, that's item 24. You break off in a small group. You go deal with that because I'm at that point more worried, remember 2000, 2001, with just scoring and not letting the third and fourth liners run freely and hook and hold and stop the you know, garage league that Mario had said a few years earlier. So you're right. And and I'm not nitpicking for the sake of nitpicking. I really do believe 
that the offside challenge as it sits now should be tweaked again. And it's not about the Trevor Zegers thing. It just allowed me to kind of get back on my soapbox and say to the GMs, listen, what you may or may not realize is at the game, when a goal goes in, or those of us who watch multiple games, Greg, if I've got five at once and a goal goes in, even though there's no challenge, what I do is wait to see if the coach is going to challenge. In the NFL, when there's a touchdown and there's not a flag, it's a touchdown. You you know it's a touchdown. You know, in baseball, when the ball goes over the wall, you know it's a home run, they're taking it back. We're having moments that are wrecked, the buzzkill, by not knowing. So as of this week, I went and researched 24 offside challenges, 22 of which were called back. None, none of the 22, in my opinion, the millimeter, I think a millimeter does not does not affect the goal. I, I believe if three defenders are three feet back of the blue line and the three attackers are coming in that using kind of the World Cup and soccer as an example, I don't think that's advantage game. I don't think we should have a microscope at the blue line. I, I'm coming up with an idea that says, why don't we go front edge then? What, what about front edge means you are in and that takes away some of those 22 challenges. I'm just saying this, Greg, why do we watch sports? We want to be entertained. What's not entertaining? Sitting through a challenge. And I know people come back with me and say, let's just get it right. I said, well, why don't we challenge offs? Why don't we challenge icings? Why don't we challenge when Dennis Malgan high sticks the puck and hits Latang in the face with the puck and referee Gord Dwyer has his arm up and calls high sticking? That's not high sticking. When Zach Whitecloud lifts the stick of Nico Sturm and the stick hits Paul Cotter and he goes down as if he's really hurt, that's that's not a penalty. Why don't we challenge that? Like, where do we draw lines? And I'm telling you this, if Bobby Orr's goal is offside, would you want to sit through that challenge? Even if it's onside, we have to wait. I'm going to celebrate. We just won the cup. Hang on, honey. Hang on, Matilda. Just waiting for the challenge to make sure it's a goal. No, Craig, I'm telling you, no. And I know this, and I don't want to mention names. I know people who work for the league, who are in the office, and they don't like it either. And we're trying to slow down this F1 car. Deflector plates, penalty, foot in the air. They're trying. I'm telling you, if we have another moment like 99, like, is that what we want? A great moment to, to wait and have controversy. I'm just saying this. They got to put their heads together and make this better. 22 goals called back for what? Greg, the average length of the goal being called back was this much. Do we have a camera on home plate? All in strikes? There's a there's 185 pitches in a baseball game. We have about 185 zone entries. I'm just saying this. I don't want to be Notre Dame and, and predict something in the future. It's not, it's not as good as it should be, Craig. That's my soliloquy and speech today. And I think I delivered it pretty well. I might not convince you but I like the way I delivered it to you. And that concludes episode 94 for the cool button podcast. We have no more time left. <laughs> if nobody knows who Tolstoy is, war and peace was shorter than Steve's soliloquy. <laughs> uh, anyway, Steve, so you just touched on something really, really important that, that, that dovetails right from the GM's meetings. So 
So you have the GMs, and one of the GMs zeroed in on their own team. You know, what can come back to me? I'll, I'll share a story with you before I get into and it, and I'll just carry this forward. We were playing a game in Arizona in the old Phoenix Arena. Daryl Sutter was the coach. We were in overtime, and Roman Turk was the goaltender, and the puck had come around under underneath Roman Turk. Roman Turk's entire body ended up in the net. There was only one place the puck could have been was in the net across the goal line. So whatever they did, they looked at it, okay, they said, yeah, we're calling it a goal. Calgary Flames lost in overtime. Anyway, Daryl and I talked about it like it was a goal. No kidding, it was a goal. Like the puck was there. Who cares if we, we knew where it was? Everybody knew where it was. And, and ironically, I went to the GM's meetings, if, I don't know if it was a week later, a few days later, whatever, and, and the discussion came on, on, on that play, that for us to be able to call a goal, the, the, it was proposed that you have to, you got to be able to show a still of the puck being over the goal line. I remember sitting there and it was back and forth and some general managers were like, come on, there, there, there is a, like a sense of like, you, you know, we know where it's at. Do we need to see it. Other GMs, no, we need to see it. So now you have to show the puck over the goal line. <laughs> like we knew the puck was in like back to your point. When this whole idea of the offside challenge came up, Gary Bettman cautioned the managers you better be careful. We're taking goals off the board. We're taking goals off the board. And for what reason? Like, you know, for, for as you point out, for that much, right? D does it have a material effect on the game? Does it have a material effect on, on the goal, right? And so he cautioned them. He cautioned them hard. So, you know, and they, they went along. You know, Gary says, hey, the managers are the ones that, that it's another reason why I think we should have I don't. I, I think in certain areas we need to have different people involved in in the making of rules and and the implementation and enforcement of certain rules. That doesn't mean GMs should be in, but let let's have some other people involved. People that are been involved in the game that are outside the game right now that don't have a material, uh, you know, a, like the, the effect of an offside goal against them doesn't mean they lost the game. There's been some modifications. We know with the with the foot right. The coaches were using the offside challenges to get an extra timeout. They added a two-minute penalty to that. So they have made some some strides here, right? Here's the tough thing, and 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 Gary's also defended it too. The offside rule is pretty clear. Like it's you know, it's it, it's defined. So if it's offside, it shouldn't be a goal, right? But I, I I think it's more Gary just defending the rule and where they're at. And George McPhee said this to me many years ago as well. You know, there's things that we we implemented that we know really aren't great and we'd like to change, but we can't be changing them, you know, in short periods of time all the time. That's not good either. But to your point, Steve, the, you know, we talked – and I don't care if Trevor Z scored a, a, a great goal. I don't care. You know, I know what the excitement is. If it was offside, then it should, should have been blown dead. Bottom line is, is it an opportunity to examine the rule? Is it an opportunity to say, you know what – if it if, if the average distance is this much, <laughs> like really at the blue line on a like come on, like what 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 are we trying to do? If, like, but the managers wanted this, the managers got it. I just want to make sure that I don't hear managers complaining about it. <laughs> well, I'd like wanted. to know if all Gary told them. No, and Craig, that's a great story, and I know what you're saying. If you were in the room, if you voted for it before, you might not vote for it now or say, what are we going to do? Cause it's like damage control. They're not willing to abort the project 
They're not willing to phone and thank, you know, what's his name for the hockey tickets. Don't be so stubborn. Just phone and, you know, they just don't want to turn back on something that is a buzzkill. And, and, you know, we could then change the offside rule. Like, it's one thing if me and you are coming in over the line, okay? And Victor Hedman, right, is fronting me. And you're way behind him and I give you the puck. You've gained an advantage, but on these plays, a puck carrier has the puck. He comes in onside to his right. Someone is, and somebody will say, well, it's either onside or it's not. I say, well, what about a hook? What about an icing? Like, wh- wh- where do we start and where do we stop? Granted, what you brought up was great. Gary warned them, and now they're almost like they're in damage control. And I wonder where this thing goes if we need a, a magic moment called back. You know, in soccer, the line is the defender. So when you're offside, you're gaining behind the defender. In our situation, I don't know if changing the rule works. I don't know. Like front edge would have knocked off a few of those calls. But that's slicing the onion again. I always wondered, Craig, why you weren't in when the puck touched the blue line. I I, I always wondered that. Um, but that's that's just an idea. But it is interesting what goes on in there. And somebody said all 32 are on the same page. Craig, have you ever been in the GM's meetings when all 32 or 21 or 24 GMs were all on the same page for anything? Uh, I I can't think of one, uh, Steve. I really can't. I I, I just can't. Uh, I'm trying to think of of, of a time when I was there. And I mean, mean, there's simple things that, that they could, you know, kind of done but not on significant things i think there's always like uh, a difference of opinion and and it's never unanimous it just never is so where do we go from here at the blue line we just wait we wait well I, no i think that it, it, it merits more discussion it, it, it there's no question it merits more discussion and i think that you know when you when you think about uh you know where we're at and 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 again it's it's just are we happy with where it's at i think sometimes it's like are we happy with it remember when i started talking about the uh uh the long-term injury reserve and how that became a narrative in the media it 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 had zero legs it had zero legs with the gms in the league zero but remember how last year going in the gym oh this is a big thing big thing oh wait they're gonna talk 120 seconds 120 seconds steve (laughs) Do we want to talk about the uh, long-term injury reserve in soccer? No, thanks. Let's move on. Maybe that was the first time they had full, uh, you know, uh, together. Well, I hope they spent more than 120 seconds on this. I think it's an ongoing topic. And remember the fan in the stands. When they need to wait to see if there's a challenge before they can really celebrate a goal, you're taking away a moment, folks. I'm telling you, I would abort the entire mission. I would. If it was me, I'd say, we we don't like this. But then I might add eye in the sky, Craig, for egregious offside and a play when someone doesn't hit someone in the face, and they do. But I know eye in the sky yeah. has got less chance of passing now. I mean, imagine if if Dan Marowelli was upstairs in your ear, and you might never talk to him. He might, he might only say, Craig, how was Cobble? Craig, what's going on? Uh-oh, in this play? You know, and I know it needs to be sorted out. I know the AHL, you have to try it there first. All I know is this. Best idea wins. If you can help me be better, why wouldn't I use you with a little earpiece and you can help me? At least in the playoffs. 
At least it, it depends. Right? I'm it de just throwing it out there. It depends what we're looking for. If you're looking for perfection, you're never going to get it. So like, you know, we got, are there going to be missed calls? Yeah, there's going to be missed calls. But like, you know, like, you know, we, we you know, we, even, even that has been a modification where referees now have an opportunity to go and call uh, a double minor or a major and go look at it and then reduce it. Like, you know, maybe what we should have is, is if you're not sure, you know what, like, listen, I think it was a high stick, but let's take a good look at this. See, I don't think the eye in the sky should come during play. If, 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 if I want to expand on your eye in the sky, I think the eye in the sky should come and, and it could come from, from uh, hockey ops right there. Not a high stick. It's not a penalty. Let's move on. <laughs> like, just let the official know. I know what you saw. It wasn't a high stick. He didn't catch him. Therefore, no penalty. Just come in, make a little announcement. I was prepared to call a penalty. I've been informed there was no penalty. Carry on. <laughs> That's where right. I would use. A, 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 whatever you want, a, a different a different set of eyes. Because again, you all know it. But in real time, in like during the course of a game, I don't think we like. I don't think that we need a third. I I don't think we need an eye in the sky. I just think we need to try to get it as right as possible and understand there's going to be imperfection. And if we're we're trying, the league has done so much to 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 do things to help the officials be right. You know, the officials don't want to get it wrong, even on the offsides. They don't want to get it wrong. Those linesmen are unbelievably brilliant. I mean, Steve, you know that I still hear from people about that Kale McCarr play in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs last year against Edmonton. The league got it it's, wrong. They I don't go, understand just it. Go read, I go, just go read the rule. First of all, it wasn't offside. It was on – it's a tag-up offside rule. It's not the offside rule. It's a tag – and it was, it was expertly applied. Well, no, I still don't agree with it. Well, good. Then you don't believe. You don't believe that it's true. I guess you believe in in in, in you know witchcraft and 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 you know UFOs too. <laughs> yeah, I think really what they're saying, without saying it, is I don't like the rule. Not that they got it wrong. And just for clarification, partly for me, the eye in the sky doesn't come from the other sports because I don't really watch them. Eye in the sky came, and I'll end this segment with this at game. I think it was game four, New Jersey at Toronto. Scott Niedermeyer, oh, yeah. pinching yeah. down the left wing boards, was elbowed in the face by Ty Domi. Scott was knocked out. I was in the gold seats. I got seats from my boss, John Levy. Gold seats, Craig, for a playoff game. So I see Niedermeyer knocked out. Domi goes up the ice, almost scores. The building's going crazy, and... It's as loud as I've heard that building under the Pat Quinn era. The horn goes off during the play. I turned to my wife and I said, they're going to throw Ty Domi out. And she said, can they do that? Knowing that's not a rule. Paul Dvorsky goes to the box, picks up a phone. Remember, this is 2001. Puts it to his ear. He turns around, points at Domi, who knew it, and throws him out of the game. What do you think that was? Who do you think was on the other end? I know who was. Olin Campbell. Craig, that is how you apply <laughs> eyes in the sky. That's exactly how we talked about it. And, and, I, and I'll just quickly finish here. And, and, and again, Derek Amell, who made that offside call with Matt Duchesne against the Nashville Predators. Remember when he, when he was offside by 9,000 9, feet, right? And, you know, and, you know, it ended up being a goal. Derek, Derek Amell, you know, would love to have somebody say, hey, wait, you know, that was offside. Everybody knew it was offside. 
he went over to Barry Trotz. Nashville Predators were were losing. I think that was the the fourth goal in the game, and they were down. And uh, uh, Derek Amell went back over to Barry Trotz. He said, "Barry, I'm really sorry about uh, that call." He goes, "Derek, don't worry about it." He goes, "We all know it was missed, but our team was in big trouble before that goal went in. You had nothing to do with where we find ourselves." <laughs> so, I mean, Barry got it and everything, right? And but you can you can bet on this. You can bet on it. You can put a lot of money on it. The officials would like the opportunity to have somebody tell them, hey, this is the right call. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL, brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. When you watch the games, you see the Sports Interaction commercials. They are Canada Sportsbook 19-plus play responsibly. What do you like, Craig? What do you like? Well, I'm going to go real quick. Thursday, Carolina, Colorado. I mean, we've talked about this perhaps at Stanley Cup final preview. I'm going with the Avs on the road versus the, the Hurricanes. I like the way the Avs are playing. Friday night, there's only one game, so we can only talk about one game. The Kings are a good team. The Kings are a good team. Obviously, they're going into Vancouver. Uh, no way that I'm going with the Kings on the road, but I really like the game. But the big one Saturday, the return of Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger to Florida. Afternoon game in Florida. Flames, Panthers, Matthew Kachuk. Flames win. In Florida, I'm going with three road teams. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Huberto and Weger get the revenge on the Panthers. I love it. I love it. I'm staying away from that game. On Saturday, I have the oil bouncing back against Vegas and McDavid getting two points. Uh, the Kings kind of pushed the Oilers around. On Friday, I'm going head-to-head with you, and I'm taking the Canucks because every time Bruce wins, it makes – Jim Rutherford angry, and I want Jim angry right now. And on Thursday, I'm taking Carolina. So we're going head-to-head. Haynes, Vancouver, Edmonton is what I see this week. And I can't wait for the afternoon game in Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, Sports Interaction is Canada Sportsbook. Log on to SIA.com forward slash cool button pod to sign up and deposit today. Canada Sportsbook is Sports Interaction, 19 plus. As always, Craig. Please gamble responsibly. So as we approach U.S. Thanksgiving, and I don't know if you consider U.S. Thanksgiving a, it's almost a cliche watermark. Uh, Craig's shaking his head, so he says no. So what do we know? What do we, now you're looking like a turkey. Now, you know, I'm just kidding. So what do we know about Boston, Vegas, and New Jersey heading into the non-watershed moment of U.S. Thanksgiving? Like, do we know enough to declare anything on these three teams? Is the math really good for Boston, Vegas, and New Jersey, Craig? Well, the math is good. Come on. Like, I mean, when, when you win 10 games in a row, that means you, you, you're you on the right side of 10 games. And 10 games is a lot. You know what I always say? I, I, I just use 96 as a benchmark. 96 points to make the playoffs. That means you got to win 14 more games than you lose. <laughs> like, just go look at where the Boston Brewers are at. Go look where the Vegas Golden Knights are at and go look where the New Jersey Devils. They're on the right side of things. That is significant at this point in the season. Significant. It can't be It can't be dismissed. And you, you, you think of now what New Jersey – if New Jersey just goes 5-5, five 5-5, and 5-5, five, 5-5, five and 5-5, five, five and five, five and five, five and five, right? They're still going to finish 10 games over – they're still going to be 10 games over 500 – you know, halfway through the season or three quarters of the way through the season. That means they only got to, they only got to go six and four <laughs> in their, in their last two 10 game segments to finish at 96 points that it's real. Like the math is real 
for, for those teams. It, it it's not at the top that that I look at. It's it's in that middle bunch. It's in that middle bunch. It's it's like who who's bunch like you have the you have the Colorado Avalanche, eight five and one going into Thursday night's game. Carolina Hurricanes ten five and one. I know they're they're, they're different conferences, but you know eleven five and one is different than ten six and one. Nine five and one is different than eight six and one. You know, like the numbers start to add up. Like, and we're getting we're we're, we're near the twenty game mark, and I think the twenty game mark is pretty. I use I use twenty eight games, twenty eight games, which I think is one third of the season before I start doing my playoff projection math. What it will take, you know, based on current points percentage and winning percentage. That's how I do it. So I think they're real. I, th- I think the New Jersey Devils are real. I, I think the Boston Bruins are real. I think the Vegas Gold Knights are real. But when I went at the beginning of the year, I, I felt Vegas, you know, where it's going to have a rebound year. I really did. New Jersey, a young team, they've really pushed the envelope. They pushed the envelope re- really for the Boston Bruins. I don't think anybody thought they weren't going to be a competitive team. But I think they're the one that's really, you know, kind of jumped out there and said, hey, despite some of the injuries we had, we're, we're right there. And, like, that, pencil them in. Put them in. Put them in permanent marker they're in the playoffs and the boston bruins right now might be the might like if i if you ask me today on november the 17th are the boston bruins going to finish in first place in the Atlantic division i will say yes that's a big bold statement yep and i think if i add vegas to the mix i think the answer is probably yes i think for new jersey the answer is probably no that a lot's gone very well in this 10-game segment, but does it mean playoffs? The answer is probably yes. And again, I'm just going by, you know, is this what VTech Vanacek is? There's things to like about the Devils' defense, but Brendan Smith and and and, and Jonas Siegenthaler, it like, you know, it's not Robinson and Savard. Like, let's, you know, and and we we don't want to overjudge or underjudge teams. I kind of look at teams, you mentioned teams like Colorado and Carolina, and I'll throw, say, you know, I just just because I look at math, say Toronto is nine five and three. If they keep playing nine five and three, which is not a crazy number, that's a hundred point season. That's kind of what they've been the last few. So, what are you? What's your record, Bill Parcells? Well, my record is nine six and one. Okay, well, if you're the Lightning in Florida, if if that's what you think you are, then you'll make the playoffs and you'll be about around a hundred points. I think what we're seeing here. What Boston's doing and the other three so-called big boys in the Atlantic, to me, you know what it means? Nobody at five and under in the Atlantic is in now. Like, it almost means those teams are in big trouble. Sabres, Montreal, Detroit. And then New Jersey and the Islanders, you know what it says to me? Pittsburgh and Washington are in trouble. Like, maybe they are getting old, banged up, and are aging out. Because if the Islanders and the Devils are for real, that's two. Greg, we got to take two out. I don't be, I don't go to like the panels and throw. Oh, they're going to make it there. But you got fourteen teams in the playoffs, there, buddy. Uh, in one conference. Oh yeah, eight make it. This is the math. The math is bad for Pittsburgh and Washington, and also what's bad for those teams is the eye test. Boy, did the Oilers make the Penguins look slow. Boy, will the devil's speed make the penguins look slow? There's times that the penguins don't they they don't look like the team we liked on paper, Craig. That's what I'm saying. It looks at times like, oh, 
Oh, maybe they're chasing a rainbow, a unicorn. I, I, I don't know, but right this start of the year, expect the unexpected you taught me. This is fun. The unexpected of what we're seeing now makes this season fun. Or as one of my buddies says, funner. That's why school's important, but hockey's importanter, Craig. There you go. <laughs> so when you think about it, think about so I, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna deal with Pittsburgh and Washington. I, I think the New Jersey Devils are real. I, I, they're fast, they use their speed, they're aggressive. The the the, the metrics are, are outstanding for the New Jersey Devils. And I said all the way through once if they could get their goaltending in order, they'd be really good. And, and I, I'm a Vanacek fan. I'm a Vanacek fan. And the way they play, let's not forget Dougie Hamilton's a pretty elite defenseman. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, and you, you know, yes, you can look down. There's no perfect blue line in the NHL except for the Colorado Avalanches, in my view. <laughs> and you start to look at, you know, teams. You have it. Here's what I'm going to say about Pittsburgh. I'm going to use Pittsburgh and Washington. 2005, they're right at the bottom of the league, both teams. And in that 17 years since with Sydney and Ovi, it's been, it's been phenomenal. You know, four Stanley Cups between the two franchises, you know, unprecedented success, you know, over the course of those 70 years, individually and, and collectively for those teams. I think the Washington Capitals ha have a sense of reality of where they're at with respect to their team. Nicholas Backstrom, hip surgery, will he, what, will, what will happen there? You talk about aging out. Ron Hextall, he upped the ante on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Latang, Malkin, they traded for Raquel and signed him long term, right? You know, Sidney Crosby has no drop off. I don't think Malkin has a like. I think Malkin's done good, but you know, the bet you made on Pittsburgh, and I still think Pittsburgh has a good enough team. But if it doesn't turn out, that's not one you get. That's not one where you look at it in one year. You're looking at it and going, oh boy. We're we're pot committed here <laughs> for a few seasons, and if this is if this is where we're at, how how do we deal with it? And 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 I think that you know if you're Ron Hextall, that's what you're looking at your team with right now. You're looking at your team through that through that through that lens. Okay, what do I? Let's keep in mind, and and I think it's important to keep in mind. It was in the 2015-16 season, just around this time, maybe a little bit later. Jim Rutherford, then GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins were stumbling along. He made a change. I mean, made a change behind the bench. I do not think Mike Sullivan – Mike Sullivan's a great coach, and I don't think he's any part of the problem. But the, the thing that happened with Mike was all uh, – the, the composition of their team changed. Mike – they put some younger players in there that Mike knew from, from the American League, and then they, they sailed. They went to the, the Stanley Cup final. I don't like – I've said this about the Pittsburgh Penguins. I got no problem with the top end of their lineup. They're getting far too little from far too many players deeper in their lineup. So the top end pushes and then the bottom end retreats. You know, can you imagine this? It's like field position. One, one up, then back, right? I, I, I think the bottom end of their lineup, especially the forwards, they, they need a different group. They, they, they're not getting very much production. Now, I'm not talking about on a stat sheet. I'm talking meaningful Production on like carry play, push the opponent, make them uncomfortable, four check, create turn nothing. I think they're getting so little out of the bottom end of their lineup in the forward group that that's where Ron, if it's me, that's where I'm looking to make a change. Changes. I like that. I like that uh, battle analogy. And they got to give me something. And I think the Penguins want that group, say the third line group, to give them offense. 
that's not happening. And instead, they're being offensive when they're on the ice because the other team's gaining an advantage. So maybe it's that that layer of the cake, right? Like, what are you what are you doing with that third line? Like, what is that line? Um, and now we know what the playoff line is, Craig. I was watching the Sens game last night. Uh, I thought it was funny what happened to Noodles on that Hall of Fame afternoon game. <laughs> well, not funny. Funny for us, not funny for him. But the Sens, I saw this number, and they were talking about this during the intermission. Well, Ottawa, and they did win, you know, on the Wednesday night. But going into the Wednesday night, they would just need to go. This was the narrative. 41-18-8 to get to 100 points and make the playoffs. Greg, I mic drop. You think, name me a team that's going to go 41-18-8 in their last 67. There's going to be a few teams that go. So when you talk about the math, that's what I want people to understand. Wow, the, you know, wow, they're off to a poor start. They're just going to have to win five in a row or eight in a row. Yeah, but that, that gets them back to 500. So, so you've thrown away 20 games. Now you're playing a 62-game schedule. Of which you need you need to go fourteen and eighteen. You're dreaming in Technicolor. So th- this I find very intriguing, and so is this very intriguing. We were at the red carpet on Monday, and Craig, this is the scene at the red carpet. It's fun, frolicking at the Hockey yeah. Hall of Fame ceremony. Yeah, yeah. So we're at the red carpet, and Hashik comes by, Salani, Lidstrom. We're having great conversations, and then. You know, the limos pull up and people come out and out come the Canucks people. And I don't know about you, but if me, you and Bruce are going to an event or you're going to an event with Kara, I normally walk with my wife or my friends. We kind of come in, you know, here come the Buttons. Here come the Brady's, right? Here come the Waltons. I see them come in and it's it's somber. Jim Rutherford first, a gap. Patrick Alvine, a gap. And then Cami Granado. Now, some people say, well, what does that mean? I, I believe in body language. John Gibson's body language right now, it's not good. It's not good. I don't know if it means I want out. I don't know if I mean, look at Jack Campbell's body language right now. It's not good. If I'm Cami Granado there, Craig, I stop and, and I have fake conversations. I'm not going to be the third. Like, it looked, again, something weird. You know, I looked at Gord Stelic and I talked to Bruce about it. It was kind of weird. And then Bruce Boudreau, at the end of his victory, Against Buffalo was asked about the win. He basically he basically said, "If I lost, I think I was getting fired." This is, you know, speaking of men and women walking. I, I don't know. I don't know if they're game to game. We already talked about Friday. I just thought that optic was weird. Now maybe you say, "Ah, it's you know, you're reading too much into it." But it wasn't one big happy Canuck family. Maybe the pressures of losing are adding up, but. That's what we saw, and I saw the other groups. You know, they're all together. They're all in as you know as a hockey family. But I found that very interesting on Monday. Well, yeah, and and so your observations and, and you're looking at it. You know, it's it, 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 your team is losing, and 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 you're struggling, and everything that's going on with it. You know, Jim Rutherford's a hockey hall of famer. Cammy Granado's a hockey hall of famer. You know, it's it, you, you use the word, you know, just, just just fake it, right? Like, I mean, it's a celebration of greatness in the, in, in the NA, in hockey. You know, new inductees are coming in, three that represented your organization in, in a significant manner, two that are currently working for your organization. Put it in perspective, compartmentalize where you're at at that moment in time. 
It's not about your, it's not, your mood, good, bad, or indifferent is not going to change the, uh, where your team is at. So go in there with a great attitude. Go in there with great and just say, we're celebrating Henrik and Daniel and Roberto. Couldn't be happier to be here. I'm here. Jim Rutherford, you know, you're, you've been inducted to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Cammy, you know, along with Angela James, the first two females uh, inducted to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Get in there and celebrate. Get in there and make it something fun and everything. And as hard as that may be, you're going to walk in there somberly? So, And uh, I'm just going by what you said. No. And uh, recognize what it is. And, 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 you know, we'll get to the Hockey Hall of Fame. I want to mention a couple of things on the Hockey Hall of Fame, the inductees and some of the, some of the, some of the, what, what they said in their speeches. But I think it's pretty clear, in my view, from what I'm watching and what I'm hearing, Jim Rutherford wants a different coach. Just get to it, Jim. It's not easy. We know it's not easy. Just get to it. You know what? You're not helped. When Bruce Boudreaux comes out after a game, after they've won and says, well, I think if I lost, I was been the end of the line, right? Like, come on, like, stop, like, stop with the whole, you know, I'm not going to call it a charade because that would be unfair to say, but stop with the, with, with what's going on. Make the change, just make it because it, it, it's just going to, it's just going to take a layer of, 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 it's not intrigue or suspense anymore. It'll just take a layer of like, of the inevitable way, right? Doesn't it's the inevitable, isn't it? And that's that. That's why I kind of was saving that for my final thought. Watching them walk in, um, and some might some might say you're you know you're reading too much into it. Others might say to me you're all walking in together, and then you know chivalry isn't dead. You you open the door for Cammy and the three of you. <laughs> I'm just you imagine if I walked in, if I left my wife still walking, and I I'm, I'm just saying we're a team. If, if me, you, and Bruce came in together, we would come in together. And even if our team wasn't doing well, we're, I, I think sometimes you almost show solidarity. We're still coming in together and, you, you know, things can turn around and I'm with you. It just feels like it's over without being over. And I'll end my final thought before you talk about the Hall of Fame with this joke. Things are so bad in Vancouver right now. After Monday speeches, even the Sedins aren't talking. I'm just, I'm just kidding. But that was great. It was so funny. So that's my final thought. Craig, the floor is yours. Well, well, it, it, it's a nice thing. You led me right into it uh, uh, unknowingly. But uh, you, you, the, the speeches by, by the inductees are always interesting to hear because, you know, they go through, you know, a, a timeline of their lives and, you know, the people that have been in, in, in influenced them in significant ways. And it's always special. And, you know, and but to hear Daniel and Henrik, you know, you think about them, like tied at the hip, so to speak, right? Together from, from the time they entered the, the world and, you know, and, and great players, great ambassadors for hockey and their speeches. If that wasn't uh, just phenomenal, I, I, I don't know what was. I mean, th their humor, their perspective. I mean, it, it was just wonderful to hear their acknowledgement of people that were significant to them, but also, you know, the way they talked to one another, right? Like, you know, and, and like the, the respect they had. I mean, twins going into the in, into the National Hockey League Hall of Fame, like, or not the National Hockey Hall of Fame. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to see this ever again. I don't think we'll ever, not in my lifetime. You know, you know th that that being said, 
Roberto talking about his billets and then talking about going into the Italian restaurant. And, uh, oh, and by the way, he had a daughter. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it was like, you know, these moments that occur that you're a hockey player and you, and you, you go to an Italian restaurant. Now it ends up the love of your life and the kids and everything. Right. It, it, it was really, really wonderful. The tributes to Herb Carnegie, you know, Salonen, Eureka Salonen was a great player. Daniel Alfredson. I mean, you think about three Swedes going in on a night where, you know, it, it's it's a great tribute to, to the greatness of those players. And then you go to Swedish hockey and then you distill it right down to Borea Salmi. Wow. I don't know what else to say. I mean, I had tears in my eyes Saturday night watching Borea. I had tears in my eyes thinking about Borea on Monday night and the Swedish players. And keep this in mind. This is my final thought. There was a time when people thought that the Swedes, the Finns, the Czechs, the Russians, the Swiss, whoever, anybody not from Canada, even the American players, weren't tough enough or good enough or worthy to play in the NHL. What a bunch of garbage that is. And Monday night shows that if you want hockey to be for all, we got great examples of that with the inductees on Friday, on, on Monday night. And all those that talk to us, whether they're the Hall of Famers of 2022 or the Salanis and Hashiks and Lidstroms who all have a commonality of uh, European roots. They all said that if not for Borea, maybe not for us. And they all paid tribute to him as it was a very emotional Hall of Fame weekend. And with that episode, oh, one more, go ahead. King goes in next year. Henrik Lundqvist goes in next year. Another Swede going in, a Swedish goaltender. You know, you think about, you know, everything that he did for the New York Rangers. And I'm going to start stumping. Steve, I'm starting to stump. Call it stumping. I'm starting to stump for Kachuk, for Romnick, and for McGillney. That's who I'm stumping for right now. That's who I'm stumping for. Let's go. (laughs) I'm big on number 89. I'm big on number 89. Nobody will ever forget the 76. And Timo Solani talked about that Monday as well. That's it for 94. We'll see you next week with 95. Be well.